Are y'all ready for this? You're going to need to be locked in. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to need to be locked in. Um, okay, here we go. We're going to talk about heaven. And if you're like, why are we talking about heaven? I'm going to tell you why we're talking about heaven. I'm going to move around a lot today. This is going to be interactive. And so if you don't want that, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not talking the whole time. I might get y'all going. I'll talk a lot at times, but I want you guys to, uh, to get going. This is Heaven 101, which means we're not going to get to everything. Um, I prepped this for nine months. And the reason why there's a lot of stuff going on this year and the Lord put it on my heart is like, I think we need to talk about heaven. And you're going to see why in a second. I will tell you, I, I, it brought me to tears multiple times studying heaven because um, it's just so good. And it's honestly like, it seems too good to be true, but it's true. And so if I, there's like very good chance I'll like be brought to tears multiple times a day. Just going to get that out of the way. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. It's not awkward for me. So it doesn't need to be awkward for you. This stuff is just so good. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about um, this real quick. We're dedicating this today. My parents are here. We have a family friend who uh, lost her battle with cancer in 2016. Uh, she meant a lot to us. And she, before she died, she studied heaven and because she was going to be going there. And so she uh, gave us a lot of information about heaven. And so this is dedicated to her today. A lot of this stuff is from her. Uh, she left behind a five-year-old son named Lincoln at the time. And uh, he actually taught us a lot about heaven. And I'm going to be quoting him today a little bit, which is going to be cool. So she's amazing. Um, just want to dedicate it to her and her life. She had a lot of impact on us. If I had to dedicate it to a second person, uh, it would be C.S. Lewis, which is not a surprise to you because I quote him all the time. Uh, as I prep for this, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis because I think he's probably one of the best writers with a heavenly mindset, but that relates to us today. And so just so you know, I'm going to quote him a lot today. So that's okay too. Don't We don't need to always acknowledge that. All right, let's have some fun. I want you to do this. On the paper, I want you to answer questions one to three right now. We've got them uh, on the board here. Uh, these are the questions, okay? So how comfortable are you with conversations about heaven? Just a basic question, because some of you might be here today, and you're like fired up. You can't wait to learn more. You're excited. Um, some of you, you're like, oh my gosh, this is uncomfortable. Like, don't ask me anything, afterlife stuff. I don't want to talk about that. Or you might be in the middle. You're like, this isn't torture, but this isn't the most fun either. So just mark yourself on a scale of one to 10, all right? I just want to know where you are. And then the second question is, what's your biggest question or concern about heaven? So literally anything, anything you want to ask. You can ask me any topic today at all. I won't be able to get to everything, but I don't know if you knew this. I'm here all week. And so we can talk. I like to chill by the pool at night and just have conversations with people. So any question I don't get to today, we can, I will talk to you about it. Um, any question or concern, anything at all, write it down. And then number three, if you're a Christian, and we're going to talk about this later, how can you be confident you're going to heaven? Um, how excited are you about being in heaven? And you might say, that actually sounds boring. Like, am I going to float on a cloud with a harp? Like, is that what I'm going to do? That sounds horrible. Um, number, you might say, I'm in the middle. Like, I'm kind of excited. But actually, now that I think about it, I have no idea what to expect. Or you might say, man, I'm pumped. Like, heaven's going to be awesome. I, say, I don't know. Just write down whatever it is. And then I'm actually going to have some of you answer. So be ready. Okay. Let's give you a second here. Okay, show, on number one, show of hands, how many of you, you're like somewhere in like that one to three range? Is anyone, like honestly, one to three? Okay, so most people were a little higher. Who's in the middle? Anyone in that kind of middle range? Anyone like seven to ten? 
Is that most of you? Oh my gosh, wow, okay, there you go. So everybody's, everybody's pumped. You're like interested to learn more, all right? Um, okay, I need to know, I'm going to try to write some of these down. What's your biggest question or concern about heaven? I need a few people that'll just shout it out. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that. That's great. Yep. Yes, I know. That's a concern, right? Like you, that thought, like when you go, oh, forever, like that's kind of stressful, isn't it? And that kind of makes you panic a little bit for sure. Okay. Wrapping our idea. So forever. Um, okay. Personal heaven. We'll see what we can get to. I don't know if we're going to be able to get to everything. Uh, forever. Okay, anything else? Yeah, Wesley? Yes. Do your animals go to heaven? Um, I've got a wild answer for that one, so be ready. We will talk about that. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay, great question. So, like, if you have friends or family in hell, but you're in heaven, how would you be happy if heaven's a place of happiness? Great question. We'll see if we can get to that. Yeah. Oh, such a good question. Boredom. We are going to get to that. Yep. Love that. Yep. What do we do in heaven? Yes. Like, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Yes. I love that. What will we do? We're going to cover a ton of these, by the way. We're not going to get to all of them. All right. Anyone else? Yeah. Anderson? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, in the Bible, there's all this talk, new heavens, new earth. What the heck does that mean? Okay, we're going to talk about that. Rapture, not going to get to it today um, because we're just talking about heaven, like all that stuff. That's like end times. That's called eschatology. We maybe next year. All right. If I'm still alive, because I'm like this, this trip, you know, it's, it's a lot on the body. Yep. Okay, yeah. Like, does God choose if you go to heaven or not? Or do you? Are you a part of that? Okay, we might get to that. We might not. If, you, if we don't get to that, um, we can talk later tonight by the pool. The pool could get crazy tonight. I don't know. DeVega, what do you think? Yeah, how will your relationship with God change when you get to heaven? We're going to talk about that for sure. Relationship with God change. Um, yeah, Awesome. Yeah, judgment. Oh, we're talking about that. You are getting everything. Wow. Okay, anything else we want to get to? Yeah, what's up? Yes, such a good question. Like, you're in heaven, they're on earth. Can people on heaven see you, in heaven see you right now? That's what she's asking. We're going to talk about that. All right. Can people see you? That's a weird thought, isn't it? We're going to talk about that. It's going to be fun. Okay, yeah, what's up? Oh, that's such a good question. Will it be like Adam and Eve, A and E? All right. Oh, this is going to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What's the judgment going to be like? Okay. We might get to that. That's kind of that other one. Yeah. Can you talk to people? Like, will you have relationships with people? Is that Rhodes? Yeah, Rhodes. Yeah. What do people look like? And I would think with that, can you recognize people in heaven? Okay, great question. We are going to talk about that. Anything else? Yeah, y'all ready for this? All right, let's do it. We're going to do it. Let's do this first. Why are we doing this? Other than that it's interesting. Why are we even talking about this? There's this movie. You might have seen it. It's called The Matrix. Y'all ever seen this movie? 
A little trippy. Raise your hand if you've seen The Matrix. Okay, if you haven't seen The Matrix, I don't know if I'm recommending it or not. You can barely see this, but there's a scene at the beginning. Um, Gunnar, I think you, you watched it because I talked about this, didn't you? I don't know where you are. Yeah, didn't you, right? Yeah, so you remember this scene. Okay, so in this scene, what happens is, basically the matrix is this idea. I majored in philosophy at OU, which you might be like, do you ever use that in life? And um, I do, like, kind of right now. But the matrix is based on a philosophy experiment. It's basically this idea of, like, and I'm sorry to tell you, freak you out, but, like, what if right now you're not really here? Like, you're actually plugged into a machine, but it's making you think that you're here? I know, it's weird, it'll mess with your brain. That's what the Matrix is based on. And so basically what happens is, in the Matrix, uh, this guy named Neo, shout out to Keanu Reeves, okay? He realizes, he's like, wait a minute, I don't think this is the real world, I don't think this is real. So this dude named Morpheus comes up, he's like the guide. He's got sunglasses that don't actually have like whatever this is, they just sit on his nose. It's so cool, like I want those. And I tried to do it when I was a kid and watch the movie and they won't sit. So some they do. But Morpheus says to Neo, he's like, he basically says this, he's like, I'm going to give you an option. Okay, you can take the red pill. If you take the red pill, I'm going to show you what's real. I'm going to show you what's real. It's not what's visible to you right now, necessarily, but I'm going to show it to you. Or you can take the blue pill and you can just keep living in the dream world like everybody else and it'll be easy and comfortable, but you're not going to know it's real. Okay, now what do you think he does? He obviously takes the red because he wouldn't have a movie, right? So he takes the red pill Okay, now why do I say that? Because I'm going to give you the red pill today. Okay, the world you're living in, you see it, but there are realities that are more true than what you feel right now. There are realities that are more true than what you can see right now. And so we're going we're gonna to go on a wild ride this morning. I'm going to give you the red pill. I'm going to show you what's real. And what I'm going to tell you is it's going to change everything. If you really get what I'm telling you today, it will change everything about how you live in this world. Okay, let me give you an example. There's three questions every single person has to face. Okay, there's three questions every person has to face. The first one's this, what will satisfy me and make me happy? What will satisfy me and make me happy? Think about this, this is so interesting. We are one of the most prosperous societies in world history, and yet we're one of the most unhappy. We're one of the most prosperous societies in world history, and yet studies show increasingly we're one of the most unhappy. And there's proof from celebrities. This is my boy Drake right up here. I have a picture of me on this album cover if you want to see it. I'm, I'm him right there looking at the kid, which is cool. But he has a song called Is There More? I don't know if you've heard of it. And he says, is there more to life than digits and bank accounts? Right? And I dug into this song and he's reflecting. He's in a reflective state. And he's actually, he admits it in this interview where he's like, he got to this point where he was wondering, wait, is there more to life than this? Like, I've got everything, and I'm not happy. Is there more? Um, he's not the only one. Jim Carrey, who was on Jimmy Fallon last night, apparently, uh, with the guy he did Dumb and Dumber with. It looks like a funny interview. He said one time, he said, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could find out it doesn't make them happy. So Jim Carrey said. So he's like, man, all these things of this world I have, they're not satisfying me. They're not making me happy. Um, Tom Brady, the GOAT, John Randall, right? Okay, Tom Brady uh, you guys, have, a lot of you have seen this. It's very well known. He had a 60 Minutes interview, and he admitted, he goes, hey, man, why do I have all these Super Bowl rings and this, this wife that's a model and all this fame, and I still feel like something's missing? He said that. Okay, why do you think he was on this crazy pursuit where he sacrificed his own family for success? Because all of his success wasn't making him happy, okay? Um, this is Madonna, 
one of the most famous singers to ever live, um, one time she admitted in an award show that she had won an award and she said, what's driving me is basically that I need to be approved by people. I want people to approve me and it never satisfies me. So I just keep going and I keep going and I keep going and it just doesn't make me happy. Now, C.S. Lewis puts it like this in Mere Christianity. He explains this in a way that only he can. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And so think about this. So much of what you do, this will blow your mind, is actually a desire for heaven. Like, that's what's in you. Ecclesiastes 3.11, which used to be one of my, I think it's, it was my sister's favorite verse. Don't know if it still is. says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. That means every human heart has this desire in it for heaven. Okay, C.S. Lewis says it like this. Again, he says, heaven is that remote music that we are born remembering. Think about that. It's the remote music that we are born remembering. It's like this song that you faintly remember. You're like, ah, I think I remember that. It's in you. Every single culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal. They know, like, this world is not all that there is. Like, we were made for something more. And so why do I tell you that? Because I think that in high school, so much of what we do is actually a desire for heaven. And you don't know that that's what you're desiring. It's honestly, it's why people party. It's why people chase success so much. I believe this desire, this innate sense of heaven is underneath so much of what we do in high school. And we're trying to fill it with things smaller than heaven. All right, that's the first question. We're going to talk more about it. Number two is this, what will happen to me when I die? This is a grave site by New York City. It's where my sister lives. So every time you drive by LaGuardia, the airport, it's one of the first things you see is people just driving by this grave site. And so think about this. Three people die every single second on, in the world. 180 people die every minute. Nearly 11,000 people die every hour. This means that 250,000 people every day either go to heaven or hell. Think about that. Okay, we don't think about that very much. We're so locked into what we're doing that we don't think about this. That makes us very different than the early Christians. The early Christians thought about heaven and death all the time because their lives were threatened all the time. They were obsessed with thinking about the other world because they knew life was short, because they were experiencing that. And so the Roman catacombs uh, were the bodies of many martyred Christians were buried, people that were killed for their faith. If you, if you um, archaeologists have studied this, and they have found that where the bodies were buried of these martyred Christians, they found pictures on the walls, okay, think about this, of beautiful landscapes, children playing, and people feasting. That was their vision of heaven, Right? They, they had this before them all the time. They constantly thought about it. In AD 125, there's a Greek named Aristides, and he's not a Christian. He wrote to a friend explaining why he thought Christianity, this new religion, was so successful. This is what he said. Listen to this. This is really cool. He said, if any among the Christians passes from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God, and they escort his body with songs and thanksgiving. And listen to this as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. That's crazy. And so what he's saying is there's something different about this Christianity thing. Like these people have a hope that other people don't have, and that's why it's spreading. They were obsessed with heaven. Okay, it's true in Scripture. It's Philippians 1. This is one of two key passages about eternal um, thinking. Um, I think I have it up here. Philippians 1, 
I think I can get it right here if I need to. Is this going to open? There we go. He says, for me to live, this is Paul talking, he says, um, living means living for Christ. So he's like, hey, if I get to live, like God has numbered your days. Psalms tells you that. God knows exactly how many days you get. And so while you're here, he has a purpose for you. Okay? So Paul's like, hey, if I get to live, he's writing this from a jail cell where his life's threatened. He says, if I get to live, I get to live for Jesus. I get to tell more people about him. And he says, but dying's even better. That's crazy to say something like that, right? But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. He's like, as long as Jesus has me here, he has a purpose for me. And I get to tell other people about him. He says, but I don't really know which one's better. I'm torn between two desires. I want to go be with Jesus, which would be far better for me. But for your sake, I'm going to continue to live here. I got to keep telling people about Jesus as long as God has me here. But heaven is far better. That's, that's Paul's view. Heaven's far better. But as long as God has me here, I'm going to tell people about him. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. This is another key verse on heaven. It says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus, you've been raised to new life with him. It says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. It says, look at heaven. Like, fix your eyes on heavenly things. Think about these things all the time where Christ sits. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Okay? For you died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And then one day, Christ is your life. When he's revealed to the whole world, when he comes back, you're going to share with him in all his glory. We're going to talk about what that means later. These, this is what Christianity is about. This is heavenly thinking. And so Christianity answers this question. We're all marching to the grave, whether we know it or not. Every single one of us. Jen knew her days because she had terminal cancer. We don't. We have no difference from her. We are all marching to the grave, whether we know it or not. But as the song goes that we sing on Sundays at high school, when we set our minds on heavenly things, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. That's what we're going to talk about today. All right, number three is this. How can I have strength to go on when life is hard? And so I, I know a lot of you, you've had hard things happen this year. You might even be like, man, I don't even know if I can make it. Okay, how, how do we have strength to go on? A lot of you today, you're burdened, you're discouraged, you're depressed. Maybe you're even traumatized. Uh, maybe your dreams, your goals, your relationships have crumbled. Maybe you've lost hope. Okay, who is this right here? This is Florence Chadwick. She was a swimmer, 1952. Um, she entered the waters of the Pacific Ocean, and she was determined to swim to the shore of California. She had already been the first wo uh, woman to swim the English Channel both ways. She swam for 15 hours. Picture this, 15 hours. So, Kevin, I know you won state or whatever, but this is big, all right? 15 hours in the cold and fog, then she had to be taken out of the water when she became physically and emotionally exhausted. Like she just couldn't go on anymore. And she later learned that when she was taken out of the water, she was less than half a mile away. She had almost made it. Isn't that crazy? But this is what she said. This is what she said. This is amazing. She said, all I could see was the fog. She said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. All right? If heaven's the shore, when you're in the fog of life, if you can see the shore, it can give you the strength to go through anything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But here's the problem. Revelation 13, 6. A lot of revelation today. Get ready. All right. Um, Satan is a liar. John 8, 44 tells you that. Satan wants to lie to you. He doesn't want you to believe accurate things about heaven. And so look at this verse that no one ever talks about. This is Satan. He opened his mouth to blaspheme. That means to slander. Talk bad about three things. God, okay, his name, that's his person, who he is, what he's like, his dwelling place, 
and those who live in heaven as people. So Satan slanders three things, God's person, his people, and God's place. Okay? He does not want you to believe accurate things about God's place in heaven. He wants you to think it's boring. He wants you to be distracted with earthly things. He doesn't want you to think about heaven. He lies to you constantly about heaven. And so we're going to take the red pill right now. We're going to see the truth because 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scriptures God breathed. And so we don't go um, to, like people will say, man, I visited heaven in a dream. Maybe it's right, maybe it's not. We go to scripture to determine what's true about heaven. All right, and so that's what we're going to do. Now, there's some things about heaven you can know for sure. I call them green light things. There's some things about heaven that we can make inferences about, but we're not totally sure. I call those yellow light things. That's going to be the animal's question in a way. And then there's red light things. We just got to be honest and say, man, we don't know. Okay, so we can talk about it and have fun with it, but we don't know. So green light, red light, yellow light. I'm going to give you three green light things right now. These are three building blocks for heaven. Every question that we talk about is going to go back to these three things. If you can remember these three things, this will give you a foundation for heaven. All right, are we tracking so far? Any questions so far? Okay, that would have been helpful because I need to drink water, but we'll keep going. That's fine. All right, here we go. Three things about heaven. I know you want to talk about the fun stuff. We're going to get there. All right, first one is this. Heaven is a place of infinite love. Heaven is a place of infinite love. Now, some religions will say this. After death, they'll say that you lose personal consciousness. Okay, that's what some religions say. That's not what Christianity says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. This is Paul writing. He says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. We don't have time to talk about that. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now look at what he says. This is what, there's a lot in there, but this is what I want to draw attention to. Okay, um, Keller talks about this, that we will be with one another and we will be with the Lord. That's what Paul's looking forward to about heaven. He says we're going to be with one another and be with the Lord. What does that mean? This means personal relationships of love that go on forever. This is going to answer a few of your questions. This is personal relationships of love that go on forever. There's an old American theologian, his name is Jonathan Edwards. This is what he said about this passage and others. He said the greatest happiness that you can know on earth is to be known and loved by another person. Okay, a lot of you have experienced this. This is why we want relationships. This is why we want boyfriends, girlfriends. This is why we want to belong to social groups. This is why so much of our time is spent on social media. Because in us, we want the greatest happiness to be known and loved by other people. That's what we want. It's what we're made for. But on earth, even the greatest love relationships are the greatest relationships that you can experience on earth. Jonathan Edwards says it's like a pipe that's clogged where only a little bit of water, love, can get through. Even the best relationships, it's clogged. You're not getting everything. But in heaven, the clogs are removed. And you will experience drink and delight in what he calls a fountain of love. You will experience loving relationships with other people in perfection. Okay, think about it. Like, what do we love about the Florida trip? One of the things that's so cool is like you're here singing together. You're, hand, you're like locking arms. There's this concept like, oh, we're in this together. This is a small glimpse of heaven, the relationships that you experience here. Um, what, do you, what do we love about home if, if we are blessed with a healthy home, it's, it's being fully known 
and loved and welcome and secure. Heaven is the perfection of that. Heaven will be a glorious reunion of friends. You see this. Paul's looking forward. He's like, I'm going to see you guys there. He's like pumped about that. Okay, so only two things last forever, really. It's the word of God and the souls of people. And so if the best experience on earth is loving relationships, won't that be a much better reality in heaven? That's what Paul's saying here. So the first thing, heaven is a place of infinite love. There's two more passages. We're not going to get through them. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. You can write it down if you want to. Um, <clears throat> this is 1 John 4, 8. I think we have this up here. Yeah, these are some passages here. God is love. Um, Jonathan Edwards, this is the passage he talked about to make that point. 1 Corinthians 3, 13, 8 to 10. So you can write these down if you want to. We're not going to go through all of them. Why is Friends Up Here, the TV show? I had a seminary professor that would talk about, do you, does anyone know the opening song of Friends? Or not Friends, Cheers. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Cheers. I got you. Every, you want to be in a place where everybody knows your name and everyone's glad you came. Everybody wants that. Remember that. That's everybody wants. You want to be somewhere where people know your name and they, they're glad you came. Heaven is the perfection of that. All right. Um, number two. This one's a little trippy. Here we go. Heaven is a perfect material world. Heaven is a perfect material world. All right. This is where it's going to get a little fun. I don't know how many of us know this or not. When you use the word heaven in scripture and in conversation, it can refer to one of two things. Okay? It can either refer to the present heaven. What that means is like if, if I died today, that's where I'm going. I'm going to the present heaven. Or it can refer to the future and forever heaven. Ooh, what does that mean? It means that where you would go today is not the final heaven. There is a final heaven, a future and forever heaven. That's the new heavens and the new earth. That's what the Bible means when it says the new heavens and the new earth. So how are they different? How are they similar? There's some mystery on the present heaven, but what we know is that when we die, where we go immediately, it's where we go immediately to be with Jesus in paradise. Immediately. That's what he says to the thief on the cross in Luke 23. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise is actually a word that refers to not only like paradise, but it's actually a physical location. It's referring to like a garden. And so it's picturing this physical, amazing place that's paradise Okay, until Jesus returns. That means it's temporary. And so when Jesus returns, the new heavens and new earth will come down. We're going to talk about that. And Paul says, remember, it's far better. So he's saying this, this present heaven is far better than being here. It's paradise. It's amazing. And so the key thing is it's not with our resurrection bodies yet. 2 Corinthians 5.8. This is pretty cool. So what that means is in the new heavens and the new earth, the future and forever heaven, you will get a new body. It is called a resurrection body. Okay, and I know what you're thinking. Will, how can this get any better? I know. But it's going to. Because in heaven, I'm going to get a resurrection body. I'm going to be stronger than I am now on the bench press, which is hard to believe. I'm going to be faster than I am now, which is hard to believe. I'm going to look better than I do now, which is hard to believe. Okay? And so you get a resurrection body. Jesus, when he returned, got the first resurrection body. That's why his disciples recognized him. Because he received a resurrection body. Body. That's why one of the coolest verses in the Bible is when Jesus rose from the dead, what did he want? He wanted a fish. He wanted to eat a fish. That's amazing. That's because he had a resurrection body. He wanted to enjoy material creation. 
And so it's, it's a spiritual existence. You don't have your resurrection body yet, but if you study passages that talk about it, it does seem to have some physical properties. And so there's some mystery there. So it's incredible. It's not the final story. The final story is the future and forever heaven where it's a renewed earth. Okay, this will rock how you think about heaven. What a lot of us think is that, okay, heaven's a place we go to. Actually, in the, the grand scheme of things, I'm about to read some scripture to you. It's not that we go to heaven. It's actually that heaven comes down here. Okay, so what's going to happen is this earth is going to be renewed. That's crazy. Okay, a lot of people don't think about that. That's what God promises. Your question about Eden, is it going to be what God intended for Adam and Eve? Yes, it's going to be a renewed earth, which is what he originally, free of suffering, sadness. It's going to be a world free. Like picture this, free of suffering, sadness, sickness, death, and evil. You will enjoy the creator and his creation with joy, excellence, satisfaction, beauty, and power that right now you can't even imagine. Okay, that's what it means. Whew, how about that? All right, now let's, let me show you a scripture. This is a key scripture uh, for this, Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Revelation 21 and 22 talk a lot about heaven being this perfect material world. And so just imagine this, like just picture this as best you can. John says, he gets this revelation, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth that passed away, the sea was no more. There is water. That's not what it's referring to. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. You see what I'm talking about? Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be them as their God. That verse right there, that's the whole Bible. That's the story of the whole Bible. That's the point of the whole Bible. He will wipe away, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There will be no mourning, no crying. I mean, how can you not read that and get fired up, right? No more pain. The former things have passed away. These are some other statements. I just grabbed some statements um, from Revelation 21 and 22. Just check, just read some of these. He says, I'm making all things new. The new Jerusalem, it has the glory of God. Its radiance is like a rare jewel. Okay, the foundations of the city, they're adorned with every kind of jewel. The street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Like picture this. The city doesn't need a sun or a moon because the glory of God will give it light. The river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. On either side of the river, the tree of life, 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. This is a perfect material world. Um, this, this is not like this spiritual existence where we're in the clouds playing a harp. This is a perfect uh, material world. This is one way that, that somebody put it was, actually Jen said it like this, heaven is the presence of everything good and the absence of anything evil. Hell is the absence of anything good and the presence of everything evil. And so this is a summary of, of what this is in this perfect material world. And so you can imagine heaven to a degree, like in a way where you can't ever imagine it. But in a way, you say, think about the best of this world. It's going to be like that even better and better and better than you can even imagine. And so what that means is you will not say the word, I, the phrase, I wish anymore. You won't have to say that. I wish this. You won't have to say that anymore. You won't have to say, I hope anymore. You won't be tempted anymore. You won't be sad or discouraged anymore. Okay, heaven's the presence of every good in the absence of anything evil. And this is why when sometimes when people will say something like, 
Oh, man, I'm going to have fun in hell because I'm going to be with all my friends. You know, we're going to be partying all the time. That's not true because friends are a good thing, right? Friends are something you'll experience in heaven, right? Heaven's the presence of everything good. And so life without sin, sadness, and suffering is so hard for us to imagine, but that will help us answer a lot of questions about heaven. Okay, number three. We tracking so far? All right. Number three. Oh, why is Highland Park Stadium there? I don't know. We'll talk about that. I actually don't remember why I put that there, but I'll make something up. Okay, number three. Heaven is where we will enjoy God forever. So Revelation 22, 3, and 4. This is the best part of heaven. All right. No longer will anything be a curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. The servants will worship Him. Look at this. Verse 4. Key verse on heaven. They will see His face. His name will be on their foreheads. Okay. Um, to see God face to face is the greatest thing possible, but it's not at the top of our wish list because we don't know what it means. And so if I were to say to you, hey, what's at the top of your wish list? Like, what's the thing you want most? Probably not to see God face to face. That's because we don't know what it means. Okay, think about it like this. Um, this is the face to face relationship we were made for. Like, it's the thing we seek in everything else. What every person wants, I said this Sunday night, Sunday night? Yeah, I don't even know what day it is. But I said that, that every person wants what I call the praise of the praiseworthy. What that means is that you want someone that you esteem and love and respect to love and respect and affirm you. That's why we want boyfriends and girlfriends. That's why we want to belong to certain groups. That's why we want to be successful at sports. We want people that we value to value us. It's like our greatest desire, and we try to fill it in so many ways. And what this means to see God means that in heaven, right, you are going to see the one that created you. You're going to see him face to face. You're going to be fully known by him, and he's going to fully love you and delight in you. Um, C.S. Lewis, Weight of Glory, one of the best things ever written, you should read it. He talks about this judgment. He talks about one day you're going to be inspected by God. Now, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like all those things you hide from people, God sees it. And so he's like, hey, one day you're going to be inspected by God. This is the only one whose opinion of us really matters. But this is what he says. He says the promise of this is that if you trust in Jesus, okay, and what he did for you on the cross, this is what he says. You will survive that examination. You will find approval. You will please God. To please God, to be an ingredient and the divine happiness, like you are an ingredient in his happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in God as an artist delights in his work, or a father and a son, that seems impossible, a weighter burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain. So the creator of everything is going to delight in you. He already does right now, you just don't always feel it. In heaven, you're going to look at him face to face, and you're going to experience the delight and joy of a God who knows everything about you and loves you anyway. That's amazing. That's what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. That's what we're going to experience in heaven. Okay, and if we're face to face with God, look at Psalm 1611. This is one of my favorite verses. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And so is heaven going to be boring? No, it's not boring. Heaven will be a thrilling place because Jesus is a thrilling person. He is the source of all great adventures and joy and pleasure. One of Satan's most strategic lies to us, especially in high school, is that sin is exciting and righteousness is boring. That's what he tells you every single day. 
That's not true. Sin does not bring fulfillment. It actually robs you of it eventually. Heaven is heaven. Number one, first and foremost, is because Jesus is there and we get to be with him forever. Okay, and so if I'm not excited about Jesus, I may not really like heaven because that's what heaven's about. Okay, and in heaven, I'm going to enjoy him forever. This is how Jonathan Edwards puts it, this quote. It's amazing. Then I'm going to answer all your crazy questions, all right? The enjoyment of God, that's Survivor in Fiji, by the way. Great, great show. The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, children, all the company of all earthly friends are but shadows. The enjoyment of God is the substance. They are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. Wow. God is the source of all joy. That's why I put the Highland Park slide on there because that was my first broadcast on the, the, the football team. And I looked out and it is, it's so much fun, like high school football, but you just see it when you're up high. You just see the whole picture and you're just reminded as much fun as it is and it's a gift. Um, it's a picture of, of so many people gathering and just seeking approval in this stadium, whether it's through the people we're hanging with, it's looking a certain way, it's success on the field, and it's a reminder that, oh yeah, like every time you see Friday Night Lights, it's awesome. It's also, for a lot of us, a, a picture and a metaphor of we actually are looking for something that only God can give us, okay? So, those are the three things about heaven. Y'all want to answer some questions? You don't have a choice because I have the microphone. All right, so here we go. So I want you to do this. On the back, I want you to answer question four to seven real quick. Best you know. I'm going to get some hands. I'm going to blow through this stuff. I got about 10 minutes. Do you think you'll recognize your people in heaven? Family, friends, do you think you'll recognize them? Do you think people in heaven can see events on earth? Just answer it honestly. What do you think we're going to do in heaven? Right, write some things down. Will it be boring, in the middle, exciting adventure? Will we see our pets again? Wesley, that's your question. We're going to get to it. How confident, oh, we're not doing those yet. Okay, so four to seven, fast as you can. I really need to drink something. All right, you can keep going if you want to. Number four, let's do it. All right? Y'all need more time or are y'all good? We're good. All right. How many of you think you'll recognize your people in heaven? Family, friends? How many of you said don't? You know, you don't think that you will. Okay, some people said no. How many say I don't know? I have like no idea if I will. Yeah, that's good. That's very honest. That means I won't call on you, right? Okay, I'm not going to call on anybody. That'd be uncomfortable. Will we recognize our people in heaven? All right, you ready? This is, in my opinion, this is green. This is, a, this is a, for sure, uh, it is a yes. You will recognize your people in heaven. You can be totally confident in that, which is awesome. And so loved one goes to heaven, you will recognize them. Uh, you see this, Jesus' disciples recognized him after he uh, was raised from the dead. If you want scripture for all this, I can give this to you in a little bit. Um, it says that tons of people actually in 1 Corinthians 15 recognized Jesus um, at, at Jesus' transfiguration. His disciples recognized uh, Moses and Elijah, even though there's no way they would have known what they would have looked like, all right? So you're probably, you actually are, going to recognize people that you've never seen before. 
Because remember, heaven's a glorious reunion of friends. Paul, remember that passage? He was fired up to see the Thessalonians in heaven. And so think about this. God determined the exact places and time that you would live, which means your friendships are appointed by him. So there's every reason to believe those are going to continue in heaven. They're going to thrive in heaven. You're, you're going to get new friendships in heaven. There will be no loneliness. There will be no family dysfunction. There will be no relational dysfunction. All right, number, the, number five, the next one. Oh, this is a fun one. Um, do you, can people in heaven see events on earth? Can people in heaven see events on earth? Do I have that up there? Where is it? There it is. Do you think that? Who says yes? People in heaven right now can see events on earth. Wow, Lottie, you're being watched. That's crazy. How many said no? You don't think that they can. How many of you are once again like, I have no idea. Like, okay, cool. All right, here we go. You ready for this? Um, Let me find it. Oh my gosh. When you fold your paper, it's like hard to keep track of. All right, here's the answer. This is kind of a yellow in a way. It seems like yes, but we don't know the full extent of what that is. And so it seems like, if you look at some passages in Revelation, it seems like people that are in the present heaven, like they have a general idea of what is going on, but they may not be, have access or pay attention to everything. And so you see this in Revelation 6 with the martyrs, the people that were killed. They were aware that God had not yet brought judgment on the people that had killed them. So they have an awareness of things that are going on. You see this in Revelation 18. Okay, Hebrews 12.1 says that we are surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses. It's, it's believers that are currently in heaven. It's like they're cheering uh, you on. And so in Luke 15, which Pete's teaching on this week, it says there is uh, rejoicing over a sinner who repents. But the way the language is, if you look at it, it doesn't seem like it's just referring to God and the angels. It seems like it's referring to people that are in heaven. And so there is some awareness of this. Now, you might ask, well, would that make us sad? Like if we're in heaven and we are aware of things, would that make us sad? I would ask this question. What if you saw evil through the lens of God making all things right one day? What if that's how you saw things? So maybe we will be able to see sad and sinful things in a way that is actually renewed, in a way that's not rooted in guilt or shame. That, that quote about there's no more tears, that's not referring to the present heaven necessarily. It's referring to the new heavens and the new earth. And this is cool. In heaven, Jesus prays for us, Romans 8. The saints pray for people, Romans 5 and 6. So the, or Revelation 5 and 6. And so the coolest thing you can do on earth is to participate in God's kingdom activities. And I don't think that we lose that joy in the present heaven. I think that we often separate heaven and earth way too much. And so what that will look like exactly, we don't exactly know. But um, there is some awareness of what's happening. All right, number six, what do you think we do in heaven? Does anybody want to jump in on that one? Anyone got any thoughts? What do you think we'll do in heaven? Will it be boring? Let me just do this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was thinking like, like yes, you nailed it. That was it. That was great. Yes, it's like what you're doing now, but more amazing with all without all the problems. And so picture like the best things that are happening now. Like you're going to do that forever. I thought this was funny. He says, do you ever have days when you wish you had a saxophone? Made me laugh because this is how a lot of us see heaven. I can be on a cloud plucking a harp. I wish I had a saxophone. That's not what you're going to be doing. All right. You're going to rest. I'll give you scripture for this if you want it afterwards. You're going to be doing satisfying, God-honoring work, ruling over the earth how God intended you to. You're going to eat. 
You're going to drink. You're going to feast. You're going to celebrate. You're going to be free to enjoy pleasures without sin. Okay, you're going to enjoy animals. We'll talk about that in a second. And creation, how you were intended to. You're going to worship God with other people. It's going to be like a Florida trip without any problems or you know, bad food. Um, you're going to learn things. Lincoln, uh, the five-year-old that Jen left behind, she asked him, she said, what do you want to do in heaven when she was teaching about heaven? This is what he said. Okay, this is his line. This is like the best line. He said, I want to ride a lion and climb a big tree. Based on everything I said, is that a pretty good answer about heaven? You're dang right it is. Okay, the five-year-old has really good theology. And so what that means is if heaven's true, you don't need a bucket list. Like the greatest things you could ever dream of doing on this life will pale in comparison to the mountains you can climb, the sports you can participate in, the water, the trees, the swimming, the flowers, the scenery that will be on the new earth. They will not be boring. It will be an exciting adventure. All right, number seven. Oh, here we go, Wesley. Will we see our pets again? Ace Ventura, pet detective. All right, great movie. <laughs> yes, anybody? Yes, I know, I had to do it. Uh, no, we won't see our pets again. I don't know, I have no idea. Um, okay, here's the answer. Dogs, yes, cats, no. I'm just kidding, all right? I know, I'm sorry, I did it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I had to say it. Chocolate labs will be all over heaven. Cats will not. I'm kidding. There will be animals on the new earth. You see this in Isaiah 11, 6 to 8, and Isaiah 65, and they will be how God intended them. You ready for this? This is my view. You don't have to share it. This is a yellow, but it's C.S. Lewis's view too, but here's my view, okay? In Genesis 2, Eve is not surprised at a talking serpent. Why is she not surprised? My view is that it was probably common in the original creation for animals to have higher levels of intelligence than they do now because they're affected by the fall. That is why in the Chronicles of Narnia, animals talk, all right? Therefore, do I think, like dolphins can communicate now, that in heaven you might be able to talk to animals? Yes, I do. How about that? Okay, that's pretty amazing. So we do not know if that includes our pets. We don't know that. That's just a fact that we don't know. But Romans 18, when, or Romans 8, when it talks about the creation is groaning, um, that would include animals. That would include suffering creation. And so it seems to require that at least some animals that lived with us and died uh, would be in the new earth. So we don't know, but it might just be like God to let animals that we enjoyed in, the, in this earth to be with us in heaven. So again, we don't know that, but I think you can... Um, you can use some logic on that. All right, what's the next question? Oh, yeah, I want to end with these things. Is this helping answer some of y'all's questions? Yes. All right, if you want to talk more, I know it raises more. We can talk later. Can I go four more minutes? Is that cool with everybody? Thank you. All right. Um, answer questions 8 to 10, and I'm going to close with two things, and we're going to be done. All right, how confident are you about being in heaven? Like right now, um, I'm not going to make you answer this out loud, but just be real, like, not at all, You're somewhat confident, very confident. And then why? Just write down what, what makes you confident or not that you're going to be in heaven. Um, number nine, if, if you found out your life was expected to be shorter than planned, are there things you would do differently? If so, what, what would you do differently um, in light of the things that we've talked about? And number 10, I just, I'd love, I'm not going to have time to ask you, but I'd love to hear afterwards. What's like the coolest thing you learned today that you didn't know before? And then how would it affect you in high school right now? I'd love to know, um, y'all have to do the meal, I guess. 
Uh, y'all are the best. I would excuse you from that, but I feel like I get yelled at. So, and I care what people think because we're not in heaven yet. And so, um, if you can, yeah, what's the coolest thing you've learned from today? And I want to hear about it later, all right? Okay, number eight, <clears throat> how confident are you about being in heaven? Um, let me show you some scripture right here. If you're wondering, I think the truth is my guess is a lot of us in the room uh, probably didn't put a 10. Can we, elite, can we admit that? Did, it, did, did we go under 10? Did a lot of us? Some of us didn't? Okay. Uh, if you'd put under 10, um, you may not be a Christian, so you might be wrestling with it. it you might say um, something like, well, I trust in Jesus, but I've also done some bad things. Or like, I trust in Jesus, I've done more good than bad. Like, how many of you had an answer like that? Something like that. Okay. That's, that's, one, that's the most common answer that I hear. I want to encourage you with this. This is John 3. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, that means trust in Him. What He did for you on the cross shall not see life. Wrath of God remains on Him. Could it be any more clear? Okay, eternal life, it's really simple. If you believe in Jesus and what He's done for you, you can, you can be a 10. You can be a 10 today. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've messed things up, no matter how much regret you have, if you've trusted in Jesus and what He's done, you can circle 10. John 5, whoever hears my word, Jesus talking, believes him who sent me he has eternal life he will not come into judgment he's passed from death to life that's amazing like if you trust in him you can be you can circle a 10 today and so if you're here today and you're like oh, i'm not a 10 i want to wrestle with that or i don't know if i even have trust in jesus for for heaven come talk to me come talk to sp talk to your leader um first john 5 13 this is the testimony god gave us eternal life life is in his son if you have the son you have life. And then what does he say at the end? I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. You can leave this room with confidence that you will be in heaven if you trust in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to doubt it, okay? And so what does this have to do with you today? I want to hear what y'all said for number 10, but we don't have time. Let me end with two things. Um, why does this matter? If you really believe the things we talked about today, um, what effect would it have on you? I want to give you two if, if that's okay with you, and it has to be okay with you. Once again, I have the mic. Um, these are the two things. It will give you perspective, and, uh, and it will give you purpose. Right, this is Highland Park High School. This is where a lot of you go to school. I know not everybody goes there, but it's most people here. And so what would this actually mean for those of us today in high school? And so when I first one's perspective, I was at the YMCA you know, as usual, crushing a workout, you know, and I was on the bike this time, and like freaking Lance Armstrong, you know, and this guy sat next to me, rather old gentleman who was not going very hard on the bike, which is hard to talk to when you are someone that goes hard on the bike, and you can barely breathe, and so he turns to me with full breath, and he says, he points at CNN, CNN's on the TV, and he says to me, will we ever get good news, okay, points at the news, that's going on and says, will we ever get good news? And I was like, could there have been a better layup? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, yes, we will. All right. And, and so this is what's so cool is Revelation was written, which is so much about heaven, to people that were in a context of great suffering. And so if you're here today and you're suffering, all right, these people we're about to experience more death, more mourning, more crying, more pain than a lot of us will ever see. 
There was a Roman emperor, and he was the first emperor that was about to begin large-scale persecution of all these Christians. They had their homes taken away. They um, were sent to the arenas to be torn to pieces by wild beasts while crowds watched. They were impaled on stakes. They were lit on fire while they were alive. They were crucified by the hundreds and thousands on the highways so that people that came to Rome could see them. And so what did God give them to encourage them in their suffering? This is what he gave them. He gave them a vision of heaven. That's what he gave them to encourage them. And so it's a simple fact of history that it worked. Like they endured their suffering with poison and peace. They even forgave the people that were killing them. So much so that the more people tried to stop it, the more it actually spread. And so think about this. They had something that non-Christians don't have. And that is a living hope. And so if you give two people the same boring, tedious job, but you promise that one of them at the end of a year, you'll give them $200. And the other one, you'll give them $200 million. The $200 person's going to quit. But the one that has $200 million coming, he can endure that because he knows what's coming. And so if Jesus really did rise from the dead and heaven's true, it means that in the end, everything is going to be all right, which is amazing. And so that can give you the peace and strength that you need to endure anything. Okay, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it means that you can have a hope that people don't have, right? And then the, the next one's this, it gives you purpose. Okay, I quoted this on Sunday night, the C.S. Lewis, Way to Glory, he says, he says, we are far too easily pleased. We are filling ourselves with things that can't satisfy us. High school is going to constantly tell you, man, live for this relationship, live for this party, live for this pursuit, live for this success, and it's not satisfying us. And when we look at heaven, the things of this world just become so much less attractive because we have something that's so much better than that. And so I'll end with this story. Um, this is a true story. It's not a true story. I thought it was a true story. And I looked it up and uh, I was like, this is one of the best stories. And I found out it's not a true story. It's actually a Merle Haggard song, which is awesome. It's on, uh, it's called You're Not Home Yet. It's this album on Mama Tried. And the, the guy that wrote it, I can't remember his name. It was like something Cochran. I can't remember. Uh, Pete, you know, I don't know. Um, but he wrote it. And uh, it's, it's this, I was like, ah, oh, it's worth ending with. And it's basically this story of this couple. They served overseas and they were missionaries. They were serving the Lord, and uh, they got overtaken with illness, and so um, they ended up having to come home, and um, their, their home got robbed. Their, their children died. A lot of hard stuff happened when they were overseas. So they went home, and they're on this ship. This is the song, Merle Haggard. Shout out to him, and they, uh, they are on the ship with this notorious celebrity, and he's, he is rebelling against God. He's mocking God, and he is finding life and joy in the things of this world, and they didn't judge him, they knew that without Christ, that would be them, and he, they loved him well, uh, but when they got home, um, they saw him celebrating and um, getting, getting acknowledged by other people and being received, and people were, uh, were just celebrating him and honoring him, and uh, the, the um, husband, God, I always get emotional when I tell the story, because it's amazing, but the husband gets out, and he, he, uh, he's like, man, we lost everything, like we've lost everything serving the Lord. And this man that's rebelled against God is um, welcomed in the world. Like, he's just celebrated. And he goes, we come home and we have nothing. And the woman grabbed him and she said, honey, we're not home. Okay? Amen? We are not home. 
And I will tell you that when you follow Jesus in this life, there are things of abundance and joy to experience. But when it's hard, okay, nothing will compare to the joy that you will experience when you're in heaven. This world is not your home. Do not waste your life trying to make this world your home. This world is not your home. Following Jesus is worth it now and especially in the life to come. I'm done. All right. Can I pray for you? <laughs> All right. Let me pray for you. And you go eat. All right. I, uh, I'll, if you have any questions about all the other crazy heaven questions, let's talk afterwards. I want to hear your takeaways. Lord, we thank you for heaven. We thank you for this reminder that we are not home. And so, Lord, help us not try to make this world our home. Help us fix our eyes on heavenly things. And Lord, may the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. Let me know if you have any questions.